Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, new parents take note. The American Academy of Pediatrics is out this morning with a new set of infant sleep guidelines to help further prevent cases of sudden infant death syndrome, sometimes known as crib death. We'll talk to the lead author of those new guidelines. Also this morning, just as the high school class of 2022 is sitting on lots of cash gifted to them for graduation, they're about to find out that there are a lot of financial responsibilities that come with adulting. And did you know that the U.S. Army is the world's largest employer of musicians? For World Music Day, a conversation with a member of the United States Army Band Pershing Zone who hails from the small northwest Ohio town of Ayersville. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Tuesday, June 21st, 2022. Today, not only the first day of summer, it is also Go Skateboarding Day, the International Day of Yoga, National Selfie Day, the National Day of the Gong, <laughs> World Music Day, we're going to talk more about that a little bit later on this morning, World Handshake Day, National Smoothie Day, Peaches and Cream Day, and World Peace Day and prayer day and boy could we use that state of the world today so summer kicks off today the uh, june solstice marking the longest day of the year i know they're all the days are 24 hours this is not the longest day of the year they're all the same length you know what i mean it is the uh, longest amount of daylight hours that we have of any day of the year. From this on this point forward, the uh, uh, days will get progressively shorter. And I'm not sure uh, exactly when the sunset is uh, today. I, I'm sure I could look it up here and it's somewhere uh, in my... Uh, oh, here it is. <laughs> I knew it was on the computer somewhere. 9.10 this evening. 9.10 is sunset. So... From this point forward, the days will get progressively shorter, which just doesn't seem fair on the first day of summer that uh, from here on out, the days will get progressively shorter. But that's the way it works. Um, the uh, summer solstice is when the North Pole has its maximum tilt toward the sun, producing the longest amount of daylight in the northern hemisphere. Our friends down under having their shortest day of the year today. Uh, scientists say the solstice itself can happen any time between the 20th and the 22nd of June. Today happens to be the day this year. So happy summer. By the way, speaking of summer, it's big travel season. And despite all of the headaches that people ran into this past weekend, AAA is forecasting record travel for July 4th. Uh, Americans hitting the road for the holiday despite the pain at the pump from high gas prices, hovering around $5 a gallon on average. And, of course, uh, at the airports, we know how big of a mess that has been. It's been in the news the past couple of days. Um, AAA says in its annual forecast that a record 42 million Americans will travel 50 miles or more for the July 4th weekend. Some tips to save on gas. If you do plan to travel by car, uh, don't go to gas stations just off major highways. Drive a few miles down the road because gas stations in residential or remote rural areas 
sometimes are a little bit cheaper. I use uh, I use my app. Uh, I've got various uh, Gas Buddy. I think Gas Buddy has an app. Uh, I have an app called iExit on my phone, which tracks gas prices at each exit on the interstate if I'm traveling. And so you can tell where the cheapest gas is the next you know, 15, 20 miles, whatever it might happen to be. So you can use technology to help you find the cheap gas uh, that way. Some of the other tips, uh, if you are low on gas and need to stop in an area with higher gas prices, don't fill up. Just get enough gas to get to someplace where the gas is cheaper. I have done that. And uh, they also say in order to save money on gas, you can not do a staycation because I know a lot of people hate those staycations where you take vacation, but you don't actually go anywhere, which defeats the purpose in my mind. But you can consider going on a nearcation, which is like a road trip, but to places that are closer to home. So maybe a suggestion that can work for you uh, this summer. July 4th weekend or otherwise. Uh, We talked about this yesterday. Speaking of uh, summertime, this is the time when we want to push the kids outdoors, get them some fresh air and all of that. We were mentioning this yesterday, this uh, new survey of 5,000 parents found 57% of the parents in the survey worry that their kids are not playing outside enough. This poll was sponsored by Claritin, incidentally. Uh, also found that parents have to tell their kids to play outside, go play outside, an average of four times a week. This was kind of interesting. I have a little bit more on this uh, uh, on this story. Um, according to the survey data, kids in Alaska, Arizona, North Dakota, Wyoming, and Missouri actually do get outside on average more than younger people in other states. So those five states are the uh, the places where kids most often play outside, which I thought was kind of interesting. Uh, Alaska, where they can get eaten by bears. Uh, Arizona, where it's about 2,000 degrees in the summertime. <laughs> and then North Dakota, Wyoming. Those don't surprise me because lots of wide open spaces, uh, lots of adventures to be found in those states. But Missouri, actually, the other uh, state of the top five, where kids get outside more than average. of the parents surveyed said most of their time, most of their time as a kid was spent outside. 74% say kids these days don't appreciate the outdoors as much as they did in their youth. And uh, of the parents whose kids do go outside, 42%, this is what I thought was interesting, and uh, building upon, again, we were talking about this survey yesterday, 42% say that playing tag... And having water balloon fights are the favorite outdoor activities. Uh, Going to the playground was a close third. So those are the top three activities. Going to the playground, playing tag, having water balloon fights. And let me tell you something, mom and dad, you can do that too. It's, you don't have to just send your kids. You can, you can go too. especially the water balloon fight thing. That would be a good thing today. (laughs) With all of the heat and humidity, this is going to be a good day for a water balloon fight, I think. Yeah. So um, maybe the reason why we're not getting outside as much these days is because we are stuck indoors doing our chores. This is kind of interesting. I saw on the uh, Newswire talking about a fair way to split up the household chores. Research has shown 
that among couples, and this is actually, they're talking about adults and the way that, and if you have uh, kids, uh, I don't know how you assign the household chores to your kids or what you have them do as compared to what you do yourself. But research has shown that among couples, women still do most of the housework. Uh, Also, the person with a lower tolerance for mess will end up picking up the slack. (laughs) And I thought, what does that say about us that uh, we'll just sit there and let the mess accumulate until one of us can no longer stand it any longer? (laughs) Uh, It makes me laugh, but I have to say that we're probably guilty of that. My wife and I (laughs) probably guilty of that sometimes, but just let it accumulate, hoping that the other will pick up the slack. Uh, Some tips for splitting the chores. Uh, Number one, collectively define what clean means in your household. Uh, Number two, discuss what chores you did as children, which I thought was kind of interesting. A bit of an insight there. If you were, Uh, I don't know, maybe made to do all the dusting when you were a kid. Maybe that's a chore that you hate now because you had to do it all the time when you were a kid. So uh, maybe you can figure out uh, which chores you have a higher tolerance for uh, based on what you did or did not do as a kid Um, and have uh, high cognition, low emotion conversations. It can be a very... Uh, emotional conversation about who's going to do what around the house. Uh, They say, long and short of it, talk about the chores when you're in a calm headspace instead of blowing up when the sink is full of dirty dishes, you know. (laughs) Again, I have to say that we're probably guilty of that, my wife and I. In any event, you get those chores done, you can get outside. sooner you get them done, the sooner you can get outside. It's what my parents always told me, and it still holds true today. Postscript on Father's Day here. The luckiest dad in America may be John Rogers from Raleigh, North Carolina. Bought himself a $20 lottery ticket for Father's Day. Gave himself a $20 father's $20 lottery ticket for Father's Day. Ended up winning $2 million. The 64-year-old was visiting the Capital Food Mart, uh, Food Mart in Raleigh. When he bought the winning ticket, he says he plans on paying bills, donating to his church, helping out his family, and taking his wife to Hawaii. So, (laughs) he may have won big on Father's Day, but she gets the big prize to Hawaii there. And finally, among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day, this is the time of year when uh, animals uh, are... You know, having their young and and all of that, you know, baby birds, you know, baby bunnies, and and all of that in the uh, spring and and early summer. Got to be careful what animals you take in. A mid-state Tennessee couple who found what they thought was a an abandoned kitten on their back porch got a big surprise when they took it to the local pet rescue for emergency placement and discovered that it wasn't a kitty cat. But a bobcat, <laughs> the orphan animal, went under uh, underwent an exam, after which it was transported to Walden's Puddle, which is a nearby wildlife rehab center. 
Uh, yet I saw pictures of this. It did actually look just like a, a, a kitten, except that it had a little bit longer legs, a little bit larger paws, and much larger claws than most kittens uh, do. Uh, they say uh, bobcat babies are generally raised in a den in a litter of one to six kittens, which will remain with their mother for nine to 12 months before they're ready. So it was you know harmless, but still... Uh, you don't want to take in a baby bobcat because you never know. Mom might be close by. Anyway, got to be careful about these. And there you go. Some of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Tuesday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Plenty of sunshine expected today, along with really hot temps as the high will reach the mid to upper 90s. It'll be mostly clear tonight with a low in the mid 70s. An armed man was taken into custody after engaging authorities in an hours-long standoff in Finley. It started at about 4.30 Monday afternoon at S&S Landscaping, and it ended at about 9.15 when Police Chief Robert Ring said negotiations had broken down. Tactical team sent in a couple of rounds of gas, gas rounds, and when they did that, he threw out his firearm and came out and was taken into custody without incident. The chief says the man was evaluated by Hanco EMS and then turned over to the Wood County Sheriff's Office for an outstanding felony warrant. You can get more of our conversation with the chief about how the standoff played out and see video from the scene on the website. U.S. health officials have opened COVID vaccines for infants, toddlers, and preschoolers, the last group without the shots. Ohio Department of Health Director Dr. Bruce Vanderhoff says the vaccines will be available this week and urges parents to give their kids this protection. In Ohio, 79,000 cases have been reported in this age group with about 1,500 hospitalizations and tragically 10 deaths. Vanderhoff says nationally nearly 450 kids under age 5 have died of COVID. Dave James, in News. More than 30 Ohio colleges and universities are being recognized for supporting students with a military background. Schools honored with the Collegiate Purple Star Award include Tiffin University, Owens Community College, Bowling Green State University, and the University of Toledo. You can see the full list on the website. The Putnam County Fair is being held this week. The fair runs through Saturday at the fairgrounds in Ottawa. Today is Kids Day at the fair, and kids 16 and under get in free until 4 p.m. You can see the full fair schedule on the website. Get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Matt Demchek with 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Well, now we get to our cover story this morning, and new parents will want to take note of this especially. The American Academy of Pediatrics is out this morning with a new set of infant sleep guidelines to help further prevent cases of sudden infant death syndrome, sometimes known as crib death. Uh, joining us this morning is the lead author of this new policy statement, the chair of the AAP Task Force on SIDS, Dr. Rachel Moon. And Dr. Moon, the uh, this update to the guidelines, the first since 2016, I understand. So why now? Is there a specific impetus for this? Well, um, we, we regularly review the data 
um, to see if there's anything new that needs to come out. And we felt that there was some um, some compelling data that we wanted to make sure that parents and, and caregivers and, and clinicians knew about. Um, so um, so we uh, so it was decided that, that we should update them at this point. So how common is uh, SIDS uh, these days? I remember uh, when it seemed like this was constantly being talked about, but not so much uh, these days. Uh, how serious of a of a problem or how common is this? In the U.S., about thirty five hundred babies die every year hmm. um, of a you know, suddenly and unexpectedly. So um, even though the the rates went down um, in the nineteen nineties, really since two thousand, we have not seen any decrease in the rates of these deaths. Um, so um, so it's very very important that parents follow the safe sleep recommendations. It is not an insignificant number. So what are the 2022 updates to the American Academy of Pediatrics safe sleep recommendations for infants, and how are they different from the previous guidance? So many of the, much of the guidance is the same, um, and parents will be familiar with this. So we want the babies to be on their back, we want them to be in a, um, a certified um, crib, uh, bassinet, or, um, or portable crib that meets safety standards. Um, ideally, we want that to be in the parents' room. And we want there to be nothing but the baby. We, uh, we don't want any pillows, bumper pads, blankets, anything like that. So just the baby. Um, one of the new recommendations is that, um, that the service should be flat, meaning horizontal, because there's some really um, uh, compelling biomechanical data that show that babies, when they are on an incline, um, are more likely to have difficulty keeping their airway straight um, and are more likely to fatigue um, when they're lying that way. So um, so we want the babies to be flat on their back. Um, we also uh, want babies to be breastfed. We don't want them to be um, uh, uh, in a smoke uh, smoke-filled environment, so we want them to be in a smoke-free environment. Mm-hmm. And one thing that's really important, we don't want them to be on any couches or sofas or, or cushioned chairs because that, that can be very, very dangerous as well. You mentioned uh, no uh, crib bumpers and things like that. I believe those uh, products uh, and, and actually some others have actually been banned in recent years because of the threat that they pose, Correct. Well, um, actually, just in the in the past couple of months, we have a new federal law um, called the Safe Sleep for Babies Act um, that bans the manufacture and sale of the bumper pads and um, of inclined sleep devices. Um, so those are not going to be available anymore for babies. But certainly in many homes, they are probably still around. Yes, yes. And so... Um, so this would be a reminder to all of those families or, or a new information for families who haven't heard this yet. Right. So please get those out of the, out of the baby's sleep environment. Um, get the bumper pads out, and then please don't use the, um, anything that, that keeps the baby at an angle. Um, is not safe for the baby to sleep in. Are there other steps that uh, parents, and we also should mention that that this is important information for caregivers uh, as well, so grandparents, babysitters, and and the like, uh, any other uh, steps that these individuals can take to proactively reduce the risk of sleep-related infant death? 
Um, so I mentioned the, the breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. Um, we also want, um, if uh, the baby is willing to, to take a pacifier because um, the data for that um, in terms of reducing the risk is, is very compelling as well. Hmm. Um, and um, I'm sorry. Uh, you were going to say no, I, I just I thought that was uh, that was interesting. Again, not one of those things that I think most people would necessarily make the connection between those things. Yes. So um, so uh, there was a study um, that came out of the Kaiser system in California that showed that um, amongst U.S. Uh, infants that there was as much as a 90 percent decrease in death hmm. um, when um, the babies were using pacifiers. Very interesting. Are, are there, uh, kind of the converse of that question, are, are there uh, some myths that persist when it comes to this or advice that maybe parents heard a generation ago or two that turned out not to be appropriate that may uh, still persist these days? Well, a lot of people don't want to put their babies on the back because, uh, number one, um, if the babies are on their stomach, they, um, they don't wake up quite as well. And they um, and they sleep longer, and so. Um, but that is the problem because um, ultimately, what happens with these babies is um, when when they die is that they don't arouse, they don't wake up when they need to, and so the fact that you're putting a baby on the stomach and making it harder for them to wake up, even though that may seem great for the exhausted parent, right, um, is actually not great for the baby because if they come across some kind of a threat to their breathing, they can't wake up enough to escape that threat. So, um, so we want the babies to be on their back. The other big thing um, about putting babies on their back is that parents worry that the babies are going to choke or aspirate. Um, and we know um, that, that that is not true, that actually anatomically and physiologically it's much harder for babies to choke when they're on their back. Um, and so um, so parents should um, should not listen to, to, to people who um, who say that the baby's going to choke if they're going to be on if they're if they're on their back. Yeah, the perfect example of a myth uh, that is out there that is actually not true. So very important, uh, very important for new parents and other caregivers to take note of these uh, new guidelines uh, for infant sleep from the American Academy of Pediatrics. Again, the lead author of this new policy statement is Dr. Rachel Moon, chair of the AAP Task Force on SIDS. You have uh, much more information and resources on your website about these. Uh, new guidelines, correct? Yes, we do. So if you go to healthychildren.org, you can get a lot more information about these. And we will have that linked up at our webpage. Folks can check that out online. Dr. Rachel Moon, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Well, it is graduation season, of course, when you hear a lot of talk about young people embarking on a new chapter in their lives. Well, with that come new responsibilities, financial responsibility for one, just as many graduates are being blessed with monetary gifts and are probably right now sitting on the biggest haul of cash they've ever had. Uh, Matt Gramada is head of family student and starter banking for Chase joining us this morning to help set your grad up with the resources they need to manage their money successfully at this new stage of life. And Matt, important to point out, first of all, right up front, that this uh, applies whatever that new stage is, whether it's going to college, straight into the workforce, uh, into the military, whatever it is, uh, they are about to find out that there is a certain level of financial responsibility that comes with adulting. Absolutely. 
And it all comes down to the right products, the right tools, right at their fingertips to keep it easy. Now, a lot of states, Ohio included, have in recent years moved to make financial literacy or financial education a part of the mandatory high school curriculum as a graduation requirement. I am assuming that is a good thing in your view, but is it enough? So, first of all, my goodness, yes. And wow, I wish I had this uh, when I was that age. We talked to kids about this. Um, So Chase did some research uh, and 93% of teens across the country said that they needed financial literacy skills to help them achieve their life goals. 97% of their parents agreed, not surprising. Then we went to talk to college kids. And 71% of them thought it was even more important mm-hmm. now that they were in college. So here is this big need. Some states have really caught up. Proud that Ohio is one of them. But parents can also fill that gap. It is never too early to start the conversation with your kids. So what is it that you would recommend kids need to know uh, in terms of the basic uh, necessary financial literacy skills to get them off to, uh, to a good start? Absolutely. And this goes for any path that they are taking, whether they're still in school, heading to high school, or they're out of school, um, heading to the military, that first job, or to college. So three things. Ready? So easy. One, make sure that they have a bank account that's right for them. We at Chase have a great high school checking product built for high school students. We have a different account for college students built for them. If you're heading to the military, you're heading to that first adult job, we got you. We've got accounts for you. Most important thing, number one, make sure you have a bank account that's right for you. Two, spending and, excuse me, saving and spending mindfully is so critical and starting those habits, ideally early, is is important, right? I don't know about you, but for me in my life, it is so much easier to keep a good habit going than to try to break a bad habit. So right. number two is starting those saving and mindful spending habits as early as you can. Three, our kids have mobile phones in their hands practically around the clock. So number three is make sure that your bank has great mobile tools for your kids to use. And when I say that, I mean tools that help them track their spending, set a savings goal. If it's appropriate to their age, set a budget. If they're 18 plus, check their credit score, et cetera, right? These are the mobile tools. Their mobile phone is going to be in their hands at all times. These are the tools that are going to help set them up and make sure to stay on top of it. It's those three things. That easy. Bank account, habits, mobile tools. As far as you speak of the mobile tools, I mean, certainly uh, today's uh, kids are are, uh, native uh, digital uh, creatures. So that uh, makes that that much easier uh, than maybe what it was in in generations past. But really, you know, you look at those uh, three things, None of them are necessarily earth-shattering uh, uh, things. I mean, they're, like we said, they're, they're basic things. And I'm wondering, that's, that's intentional, right? I mean, we can overload them with too much. I mean, you don't want to sit there and talk about, you know, uh, investing in stock futures and, you know, uh, all, you know the, we can go over their head before they're ready for that, right? Absolutely. And I think a lot of parents feel overwhelmed too. Sure. That's why keeping it easy, keeping it simple is so important. And I'll tell you, the best part of my job is talking to customers, parents, kids. We hear that again and again in the end. Keep it easy. Keep it simple. It's those three things done. 
Yeah. Uh, and then the rest of that uh, will come over the course of time. But as long as we've set those good, solid foundations, then we've uh, got a good foundation to build on. I uh, also want to talk a little bit about, and, and again, this speaks to your industry, the importance of establishing a banking relationship uh, early on. Because I think for a lot of folks, uh, even for a lot of adults, we view uh, banks as just someplace where we keep our money and we don't necessarily think about that in in terms of a relationship? You know, a, a bank can help create the foundation for, for our kids uh, from the time they're young all the way up, right? And it's easy for me to say that I work at a bank, but that's, we, we know that to be true from research. And we know that parents are talking to their kids about this. 70% of parents told us that they're having those conversations with kids about basic banking habits, money habits. But that also means that 30% are not. And so, you know, I said earlier about like finding a bank account that really works for you, for your family. Um, uh, hopefully your banking relationship is so much more than just a place to park money, right? Hopefully your bank is somewhere that is creating tools that make your life easier, that keep your money safe. And for those who want to speak to a human being, that you have the opportunity to do that. We Chaser are so lucky to have 4,700 branches around the country with tens of thousands of bankers who can help you do those three things, right? One, make sure you and your kid has the right, have the right bank account. Have a conversation about what are some easy habits, tools they can use to get going. And three, introduce what we have in mobile. So easy. Again, Matt Gramada is head of family student and starter banking for Chase, talking about setting our kids up for financial success on down the line as they uh, hit those uh, major milestones in their life and, and Im- are about to embark uh, on the next stage, whatever that might happen to be. And Matt, you've got more information, more tips and advice on your website, correct? We sure do. You can go visit chase.com slash family banking, chase.com slash family banking. Matt, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Chris, thanks so much for having us. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. A suspect in Virginia, uh, in a suspect in a shooting in Virginia, in custody after surrendering on a FaceTime call. <laughs> uh, George Pearson III uh, reportedly fled the scene of the shooting in a pickup truck, uh, which is when a crisis negotiator decided to reach out, contact him on the FaceTime app. <laughs> he first indicated that he would never be taken alive, but later uh, pulled over on an exit ramp on Interstate 95 near Richmond and agreed to give himself up. Well, that's actually a pretty uh, quick-thinking officer there to uh, get him to surrender via FaceTime. Of course, you know, it was while he was driving, so he's been uh, taken into custody, being charged uh, in the shooting, and I wonder if they added uh, charges of, you know, driving with his cell phone. (laughs) Gotta do hands-free. Anyway, but I thought that was uh, very clever. Uh, let's see here. A lot of, uh, drug stories, drug related stories, uh, in the news. And we know that drug dealers, drug addicts, generally not the smartest, uh, tools in the shed, as they say. Here's more proof of that. Garden City 
Idaho. Police are looking for the owner of a lost fanny pack, although they are probably not holding their breath waiting for that person to claim it. They posted on Facebook, we found this lost property and we know that the owner is probably extremely heartbroken to have lost their beloved fanny pack. Uh, Officers included a photo of the items found inside the fanny pack, an array of drugs, pills, paraphernalia, and some other items that are illegal. (laughs) Garden City Police posted on social media, if this is your fanny pack, please head over to Police Department Headquarters. We want to give you the opportunity to claim your property. As of yesterday, the owner has yet to step up, but I would not be surprised if the uh, owner actually does because, again, people are not always the smartest, sharpest tools in the shed, as they say. This <laughs> An Australian teenager arrested for selling drugs in a mobile marijuana unit in a suburb of Melbourne. The 17-year-old appears to have made his own motorized scooter-type vehicle out of a cooler, motor, wheels, and uh, platforms for his feet so he could stand as he's tootling around the (laughs) marijuana unit. (laughs) Neighbors called police upon seeing the suspicious vehicle on the street. Uh, Drugs, scales, and a bong were all found inside the uh, vehicle. Again, lesson number one, you want to be inconspicuous. This this was not that. Too bright. A drug trafficker in Great Britain was dealt a devastating blow thanks to a sketchy mural of MMA co-star, or MMA star Conor McGregor in his home. Here's the deal. Um, again, some very quick-thinking law enforcement officers. Ryan Palin from Merseyside in northwest England was sentenced to 29 years after being busted. Back in December of last year, local law enforcement recognized a distinctive mural of UFC champion Conor McGregor in his home, and they recognized it as being the same as a mural found on an encrypted phone used to traffic drugs. They found the image on the phone. They saw the mural on the wall. They put two and two together. Ta-da! Mr. Palin was uh, found to have been involved in a conspiracy to supply over 1,500 pounds of cocaine 30 pounds of heroin, 80 pounds of methamphetamine. Despite the overwhelming evidence against him, he chose to go to trial where he was found guilty and sentenced to a significant time in jail. (laughs) I want my day in court. This is kind of crazy. It is one thing to have a bear wander onto your property especially if you live in a place where they are known to habitat. But this is something else altogether. This takes it to a whole nother level. A California woman was surprised to find two bears had been fighting in her carport. After checking her home security camera, Lisa Quick, South Lake Tahoe, said she awoke to the sound of growling, and she figured out pretty quickly that it was probably a bear because they have bears in the area. So no big surprise there. She figured that maybe it had a a raccoon cornered or something like that. Um, But she (laughs) quickly found out that it wasn't one bear. It was actually two bears that were going at it right there in their carport, chasing, uh, charging at one one another from opposite sides of the carport, uh, then getting up on their hind legs and swatting at each other. I mean, it was an all out... 
bear brawl right there in her carport. <laughs> she said she screamed at the bears to break them up. <laughs> Which I'm thinking that takes guts right there. I mean, that's either gutsy or stupid, one or the other. But she screamed at the bears to break it up. Uh, she goes on to say that the uh, bears knocked a few things over during their short fight, but didn't do any real damage. So, Wow. That's a story to tell right there. And uh, also, the broken news this morning. This from the International File in Turkey. You know, when a patient complains of stomach pain, doctors probably aren't expecting to find over 200 pieces of metal in their stomach. And yet, that is exactly what happened and this doctor, uh, Burhan Demir, was uh, being a good, good sibling, taking his brother to the hospital after he complained of abdominal pain. And that's when doctors discovered there were 233 items in his stomach, including batteries, magnets, nails, pieces of glass, stones, and screws. The items were later removed by surgeons. There was no clear mention of how the objects wound up in his stomach, but one of the surgeons... Noted, it is not a situation we see in adults. It's mostly in childhood uh, when <laughs> you know kids swallow things that they shouldn't and maybe unconsciously swallowed foreign objects. Uh, but he goes on to note it can be seen in psychiatric patients uh, as well as prisoners or abuse cases in uh, adult the adult age group. <laughs> We're not exactly. What possesses you to swallow 200 pieces of metal? That's... There you go, some of the uh, odd and unusual side of the news. This uh, update on today's uh, broken news report uh, brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. The Riverside Civic Concert Series means great music each Wednesday night, along with the Marathon Center for the Performing Arts. WFIN is proud to emcee another season of concerts at the Band Shell at Riverside Park. This week, the season opener with the Fostoria Community Band. Concerts are at 7 p.m. and Sunday morning at 11. We air that week's concert courtesy of Flag City Realtors. Join us on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. Today's daily download, the numbers behind the news, the statistics that shape our lives. It appears that belief in God in the U.S. has fallen to a new low. Uh, this, again, according to just-released uh, information from a Gallup poll, but the overwhelming majority of American adults still do believe. Survey found that 81% of U.S. adults believe in God, which is down six percentage points from 2017, and at the lowest point since Gallup began asking the question all the way back in 1944. There were 17% who said that they don't believe in God. Between 1944 and 2011, more than 90% of Americans said that they believed in the uh, Gallup survey. It fell below 90% in 2013. The number that year was 87%. And then it stayed there uh, in the surveys between 2014 and 2017 before falling this year to 81%. So it's never been lower but it is still the vast majority of American adults who do, in fact, believe. So interesting there. And uh, also provides a little bit of context to what we hear, social media and uh, much from the media with respect to 
Americans and their relationship with God and their faith. Uh, belief in God has declined the most in recent years among young adults and those who are politically on the left, which is probably not a surprise really in either case. I think this is what we have been led to believe, and that does turn out to be true in the poll. The groups that had the biggest declines were also the groups that are least likely uh, to believe in God, which are liberals. But here, even still, 62% believe uh, in God. Um, young adults, uh, 68%. And Democrats in general, which again, uh, delineate the difference between Democrats and liberals. They are not necessarily one and the same. Democrats is 72%, liberals 62%, young adults 68%. So you see the numbers all right around that same margin. Uh, believe in God, again, not surprisingly highest among political conservatives at 94 percent and republicans in general which again delineate the difference between republicans and conservatives because the two don't necessarily always mean the same thing uh political conservatives at 94 percent and republicans in general at 92 percent so interesting new data from the uh, Gallup folks. Again, it's a survey that they uh, do quite often and have done for the past 80 years. And they see a steady decline in belief and yet still a vast majority of people who say that they do believe. Now, uh, all of that being said, this is just a belief in God or in a higher power of, of some kind. I think it's the traditional Christian God is the definition that they're using in this. But it is not a uh, gauge of how uh, invested those individuals are in a specific religion or a specific uh, denomination or a specific congregation. So... Again, important to delineate those results, but interesting nonetheless, today's Daily Download. That is the U.S. Army Band Pershing's own there on this World Music Day. We celebrate the far-reaching impact of music on our culture and the diverse musicians that create and perform it. For anyone who is looking to make their mark in the music world, that opportunity might actually be found in the U.S. Army. Yes, that's right. I said the Army, the happens to be the largest employer of musicians in the world. And joining us this morning to talk about the Army's rich musical tradition and the important role that Army musicians play, both at home and abroad, is Sergeant First Class Christopher Reddick. He is a vocalist with the U.S. Army Band, originally from Ayersville. So right up the road here, Sergeant Reddick, thanks very much for taking the time. Tell us a little bit about how you kind of found your passion for music and then how you were able to pursue that in the u.s army yeah absolutely well first chris thanks for having me um and letting me tell my story for a little while but um yeah so grew up in Ayersville, ohio um my whole family is very musically inclined my both my uh sister and mom played drums my dad played trombone in high school and uh we both sang in the choir at church all of us and uh 
that's kind of where it came from. So I always knew that music was going to be a big part of my life. Uh, it's really the one thing that uh, I found a passion in. And uh, so, of course, joined the, joined the local Ayersville High School marching band. Go Pilots! Uh, when, when the time arose. <laughs> Go Pilots, that's right. Um, and then when we got closer to uh, graduation, of course, I, I wasn't really sure what I was going to do. I kind of thought I'd just take over the band director position somewhere local. Uh, but it wasn't quite sitting with me right. And so I get home one day and my mom says, don't be mad. Uh, I set up an appointment with a recruiter uh, <laughs> to talk about the Army band. And I said, you did what? <laughs> but um, so I ended up meeting up with the Army recruiter uh, maybe a week later. Uh, and they had a recruiter come out and audition me at the band, at the band hall in Ayersville. And um, they said I was good enough. And I kind of looked at it and I said, well, uh, right. the fact that I get to serve my country and um, get to play music at the same time. Um, I'm excited. Let's try it out. So you actually went into the army to specifically to join the band. Prior to that, did you know the the role that music played in the uh, in the army and and all about that uh, sort of aspect of it? Yeah. So you know, we all have our uh, a lot of people's preconceived notions of what what the army band is. Mine were kind of the same, which was ceremonies, parades, and and playing for generals and things like that. But really, honestly, it's much, it's much more than I ever could have imagined. You know, um, I join as a tuba player, um, and then get down to the first cavalry division in Fort hood, Texas is my first assignment. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden I'm playing in the Latin ensemble and a country band and a rock band. And, <laughs> and I'm doing all these things. Um, and we find out that, uh, you know, the army band is really, it's, it's a way to support, um, every kind of uh, genre of music uh, because that's how we're connecting with the American people right now. And yeah. not, o not only the American people, but the soldiers, you know, uh, ceremonies can only do so much, but if we can, if we could put on a rock show for a while and do it well, uh, we can allow them to disconnect a little bit and have a good time. Yeah, that's uh, actually one of the things that I, I did not realize is that it's not the U.S. Army band singular, it's bands plural, actually more than 80 bands in all. So uh, what what band do you currently belong to and, and what drew you to that group and to doing the kind of music that you do now? Yeah, well, I'm a part of uh, the U.S. Army Band Pershing Zone, um, and they're stationed right outside of D.C. in Arlington, Virginia. So that's the big uh, one. And we, you, that that's a, that's a big one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. So we'll we'll do things at the White House, in the Capitol, and we'll, I mean wow. we'll do what every other uh, of the eighty bands do as well, which is which is play out in the streets for the public. Um, and what drew me to that is the fact that um, you know I could I could serve with some amazing people. I mean. Uh, the people here have their masters and their doctorates, and they're so well versed and influenced in um, in all kinds of music. And just to be able to learn from that kind of professionalism for me uh, was a huge driving factor. Oh, I absolutely. Now, uh, the U.S. Army bands uh, play all over. You were kind of uh, alluding to the various types of of music uh, that the bands perform. You perform all over. Where is the coolest place that you have? ever performed i mean if you had just one memory or one place that you immediately you know flash back to as the coolest place to perform where would that be yeah well i'll give you the long answer because uh it, it's really interesting i mean the fact that one day we can go from the capitol steps 
um, to playing a um, small town um, festival. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it in itself is really cool. But um, for me, what holds a special place in my heart is um, we do a concert every year for the TAPS program, which is the Tragedy Assistance Program for Survivors. And that's all surviving members of family and children of people that have uh, lost their lives in service to this nation. Um, and the fact that uh, I can see uh, the smile on a bunch of children's faces wow. um, and teach them how to grieve well, uh, for me, um, is always the highlight of my year. I can tell you that. You know, you uh, also, as you were mentioning, you perform you know, for VIPs and, and all of that. Do you ever get nervous knowing who is in the audience, you know, be- because of some of the people that you play for? I mean, it's a pretty impressive list. Oh, yeah. Uh, we've, we, <laughs> we have definitely played for some, for some amazing people. I mean, we got to sing backups um, one year uh, for Mariah Carey and Aretha Franklin and Train. Wow. So, I mean... You, you you hit it you hit it on the, the nail on the head. I mean the thing uh, the thing for Aretha Franklin um, wow. is, is something else, and uh, uh, you you hope you don't miss a note because you know she's not going, to. <laughs> and she will know if you do. So <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> now uh, the Fourth uh, of July is uh, is coming up, and of course uh, I know I watch uh, every year the uh, U.S. Capitol concert on the uh, on the Fourth of July. Is that your group that is performing uh, for that, or is that a different group? That is probably a, a mixture of, okay. of many groups um, that, that uh, reside in the D.C. area. I okay. know us um, sometimes will support uh, the White House that day or we'll okay. go to a local concert. But um, we, yeah, I yeah was just, we are all over the place on the 4th of July. I, I was just going to say, sh- should we be watching for you someplace? I was going to have you wave to us if, uh, if you're going to be there for, yeah. uh, for that. Well, yeah. Well, if you see anybody in a big red cap, um, that's Pershing Zone. Uh, okay. So, so you All be right. on the lookout for that. So we'll so we'll watch for you there. Um, so a, again, and all of this in the backdrop of the U.S. Army for folks who are interested uh, in learning more about the opportunities. Uh, for musicians in the U.S. Army and really uh, opportunities of all kinds uh, in the U.S. Army, where do they uh, learn more about that? Yeah, they can always go to GoArmy.com to figure out what opportunity is going to best suit them because the Army has over 200 careers available. And so, like I say all the time, um, uh, I bet if you have a passion, uh, I bet the Army can support that. So if they go to GoArmy.com, they can find out all the information Again, Sergeant First Class Christopher Reddick with us this morning, uh, native of Ayersville, now part of Pershing Zone, the U.S. Army Band. Uh, Sergeant Reddick, thanks very much for uh, taking the time. Thanks for your service and, and certainly continued success. Hey, thank you so much for having me. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage, and that is goodmornings.net can also connect with us on social media, sign up for our daily email newsletter and more. Goodmornings.net is our little corner of the World Wide Web. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. Catch you back here tomorrow.